Hello, and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy. Here we discuss all things architecture and design, to travel, exploring Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, and I connect with other like-minded women to share their story. I am your host, Katerina Burianova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. I am joined today by professional modern astrologer Tara Redfield to delve into the world of astrology. Tara launched her lifestyle and astrology brand, Another Day Greener, to help educate how we can live more sustainably and connect closer to nature. She's also the co-host of the astrology podcast, It's a Sign, The Art of Alignment. Tara, welcome to From the Honeycomb podcast. Thank you so much, Katerina. Happy to be here. And as you know, we begin every episode by sharing something that we are grateful for in the present moment. So what are you grateful for? Honestly, I am really grateful to be alive during this time. And I know that sounds probably maybe kind of confusing to some people because we have a lot of very intense things going on, you know, globally. We have climate change, we have political unrest, we have a lot of things going on, but I'm actually I'm really glad to be here for this big shift because I think that is ultimately where we are going. We are shifting our energy in a very profound way and in a way that I think is ultimately going to be better for everyone. And I'm just happy to be here to assist people as we're going through this. Wow. I love your perspective. That's such a positive perspective because I think some of us today are like, oh, it's a little doom and gloom, but it's great to think that you know we're here for a reason. We're here for at this time. So I really like your perspective. Yes, thank you. So Tara, tell us how you started your brand, Another Day Greener, and kind of your story on what led you to astrology. Yeah, sure. So I feel like I really had my, you know, what people like to call a spiritual awakening during a yoga retreat that I took to Thailand a few years ago that a very good friend of mine, she organized it. She's an amazing teacher. She put it together. And I was like, oh, I've always wanted to go to Thailand. And yes, I'm going to do this trip. And it just, I don't know how or why, but it totally shifted my perspective on so many things. I came back to the United States after that trip. I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and I just really wanted to make big changes in my lifestyle. I cut out eating red meat. I became much more conscious of how I treated my environment. I became, you know, very obsessed kind of with, you know, trying to be more zero waste, trying to buy less plastic, cut out plastic from the things that I consume. And I just, I wanted to be a better person to the planet. And then that kind of led me to other things. And yeah, I became very spiritually curious and really felt like I could be giving more, that I could be helping people more, that I could be using, you know, my ability to speak with people and make people feel comfortable with me. I could be using that in a more productive way. And then I decided I wanted to take astrology classes 
because it was something I had always been interested in. However, I had never really thought of it as a profession. And I come from a background of being, I was a theater major. I worked as an actor. I have done stand-up comedy. I had a very successful food blog. I had a social media business. So I've kind of like lived several lives. And I wanted to explore the astrology aspect more because it was something I was always interested in, never really thought about doing it professionally. But as it turned out, I studied at the Los Angeles Astrology School, which was literally a 15 minute walk from my apartment at the time when I was living in Los Angeles. So yeah, I started taking classes and it just, it clicked in such a profound way and it resonated with me so much and it felt so natural to do. So after I became certified, I was actually invited to become a teacher. My mentor and teacher, Dr. Craig Martin, he invited me to also teach. So I started teaching beginner astrology classes and really decided that I wanted to do astrology full time and be somewhat, you know, of a, a translator of the natal charts and to yeah be a guide for people be a spiritual guide spiritual spiritual coach if you want to say it that way but just you know explain to people like the beauty of who they are and help them understand like what they were here to do your soul chose to be born at a very specific time and you are born with everything you need to accomplish what you're here to accomplish no, that's so true. And I just was thinking about like the needle charts and how much information is in those and having someone like you who can really, you know, describe them and explain to you, you know, what what your needle charts are. So I think this is a good time to jump in maybe for my needle chart because I've never had my chart read before. Oh my goodness. So yes, we can do, I will do a quick little reading of your chart. And I actually, I really wanted to look at your chart because I, you know, I know what you do professionally. You're an architect, but also you, you seem very comfortable, you know, doing social media, doing your podcast. So there's something about media and information and creativity that also is a part of who you are. So I was like, oh, I, her chart's going to be really interesting. Okay, Katerina. So I have your chart pulled up here. And I love this chart. I see so much going on. So first of all, have you ever seen your chart before? No, like total virgin, never seen my chart, never had my chart read. Like this is very exciting. Yes, so exciting. So when we're looking at the natal chart, you know, it is the perspective is the very center of the chart represents earth. Okay, so like this circle here, this is Earth, and these are all of the planets where they were in the sky in relationship to Earth the moment you were born. Now, everyone pretty much knows what their sun sign is, right? Like, oh, I'm a Pisces, or I'm an Aries, or I'm this, because of the time of year you're born, because that's the sign that the sun is traveling through. However, there are eight other planets that also were in a certain sign the moment you were born. And those other eight planets each represent something different and they all make up your very complex personality. That's why, you know, some people will hear their sun sign and they'll be like, yeah, that's kind of me, but I don't feel like that's totally accurate. And that can be because they have other planets that are more strongly influenced, or they might have what's called a stellium, 
which you have a stellium, you can see you have Venus, Mars, and Saturn, all in the sign of Aquarius. So when we have three or more planets, all in the same sign, or all in the same house, we call that a stellium because there is a strong emphasis on that energy. So for you, yes, you're a Pisces, right? You're a Pisces sun. So you identify as being a very sensitive, intuitive, artistic, you know, kind of dreamy, fantasy-oriented person, right? Yes, yes. But you also have a lot of Aquarius energy in your chart. Even though you're not technically an Aquarius, Mm -hmm. you know, is your sun sign, but Aquarian energy, it's you're very much a humanitarian. You very much care about contributing to your community, pushing society forward. You think a lot about the needs of other people. How can we treat people more equally? How can we make sure everyone has enough? And also very tech savvy. I know we just <laughs> talked about like how we were having issues yeah. with the software, but but I think you do have an interest in technology though. Like how do things work? I would assume you're good in math and science. You have some kind of aptitude for it. And you know, being an architect, you definitely need to be able to use math and to build things. And that is, that's very Aquarian. And you also, you know, you show up in the world as someone who's very curious. You're very interested in a lot of different things. And you love to talk. You love to learn. You love to teach others information. You probably have a lot of different interests. And you like watching shows, listening to podcasts, reading articles, reading books. You're always feeding your mind in some kind of way. And you're also someone who really needs to stay busy, being active, Always doing something, feeding your creativity is also very important for you. And you really care a lot about the things that you're passionate about. And you're not shy about those things. And you can be a little bit, or maybe a lot, uh, (laughs) temperamental. (laughs) Yes, you're a sweet, there's the Pisces, but there's also this moon in Aries. And Aries is very much, you know, very reactive, can sometimes probably say things before you've thought them through and maybe regret saying them later. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes. But also very decisive. Like you're really good at going after what you want, making a decision. You don't have a lot of hesitation when it comes to going after mm-hmm. things. Does this say anything about patience? Patience is probably something you yeah, need to okay. work on. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, because that's the, the Aries energy that you have. You have this Aries moon, you have Mercury in Aries, very impulsive and very impatient, does not like to wait for things. You hit on everything about me. <laughs> Great, great. And I only saw your chart, you know, a few minutes ago. You know, the natal chart is a language. And people like me, that's what I do. I learn this language and I'm able to translate it for you. And it really, you know, it it just amazes me because this is the first time you and I are having a conversation. You know, we know each other through social media, but I really don't know that much about you. 
but I can already see all of this in you just from looking at your chart. I know we're not going to spend the whole episode on your chart, but the last thing I want to say is what big thing happened last year or at the end of 2021, something that had to do with your career. Either you decided to work harder on your career, you took on more responsibility, or maybe you made some kind of change. I got officially licensed uh, end of 2022. So Ah. end of last year, officially passed all my exams and got my architecture license. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank Thank you. But yes, this had to do with your Saturn return. You are coming out of your first Saturn return, which we have around age 29, age 30. And that's when the planet Saturn returns to where it was in the chart when we were born. It takes about 30 years for Saturn to make that loop. And it's really the Saturn return is an important transition in our lives because it's when we're really saying goodbye to childhood, even though, yes, in our 20s, yeah, we're an adult, but we're still kind of figuring things out, right? But when we turn 30, it's like, oh, I really need to get serious. And Saturn is the planet of maturity, of discipline, of structure, of reality. Saturn is the planet that's like, okay, I know you have these frilly dreams, but like, how are you going to get real about it? How are you really going to commit? How hard are you willing to work to make these things come true for you? And because you have Saturn on what's called the midheaven, right at the very top of your chart, Saturn was right above you the moment you were born in the very middle of the sky. And the midheaven represents our career, our professional life, our public reputation. For one, it's very important to you. You're very ambitious. You want to be very successful in your profession. It means a lot to you. And you also, you want to do it by the books. You want to get the degrees. You want to get the certifications. You know, you want to have all of those things, you know, showing that you've done the work and you really understand the subject. So for you, just knowing that your Saturn return happening on on that midheaven, I knew it had to be something career related for you that you did. So getting your license, there you go. And so can you have a Saturn return multiple times in your life? Yep. So every 30 years. So we have our first one around age 30. We have our second one around age 60. And if we live till, you know, age 90, we'll get a third one. And so is it around 30 or can it be like, is there a little bit of leeway as far as? Yeah, like some people it can happen at age 28. It's usually, it, it depends on, you know, right, where the placement of Saturn when you were born. But it's going to be within one to two years of age 30. Yeah, age 28, 29, 30 is usually when it happens. And can you see into the future through my natal chart? You can. Uh, Yeah. Can Mm -hmm. we do like one little future thing? I've never also had like any future. (laughs) Like I'm always a little nervous. Well, let's see. Yeah, let me take a look here and just see what, where things are going through your house right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for next year, there is going to be, again, something where you're going to have to take responsibility. And it could be work-related, or it could just be related to 
something more internal, something personal that you're going to have to kind of grow up a little bit. It could be kind of an emotional growth, but it could be an event that triggers that, like some sort of responsibility that you have to take on, but it's pushing you to be a more emotionally mature person, if that makes sense. And it could, I could see it having to do with a family member or a friend or someone that you maybe take classes with, or if you're a part of any groups or clubs, maybe someone needs help with something and you're going to take that on and help them get through that. And then you're going to learn something from that. Yeah. And also taking yourself more seriously. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Something that pushes you to really own your confidence a little bit more. Mm. Okay, I'm excited. I'm excited. That's good. That's that seems yeah, like a good, yeah. <laughs> good positive future thing to look for. So you you touched briefly on houses. Can you describe? Because mm-hmm. I've heard it when I've listened to other astrology podcasts. You you talk about houses. Mm-hmm. What are the houses? Yes. So well, first I will just preface with just kind of going in the order of how we read the chart. So the planet is um is like the what. The planet represents a thing, like the sun represents your ego, your identity. The moon represents your emotional life, how you operate emotionally. So the planet is the what, the sign is the how. Okay, well, how does this planet operate? How is this planet coming through? So again, for you, your sun your identity, your ego in Pisces. What is Pisces about? Pisces is intuitive, compassionate, selfless, imaginative. And then the house is where is this happening? So each house, and we have 12 houses because there are 12 zodiac signs and they're divided equally into 30 degrees, but each house represents an area of life that things play out in. So where the planets are located, whatever house they're in, that's where they are playing out their energies. So for you, you have your sun, well, your sun and your moon and the planet Mercury in the 11th house. The 11th house is the house of friendships, of goals that are achieved through teamwork, community, social causes, Hopes and dreams is also the 11th house. So again, for you, it's, and the 11th house is the natural house of Aquarius. So you have these three planets in Aquarius, and then you have these three other planets in the house of Aquarius. So I really do, I get such a strong Aquarian theme from you. You know, friendships are important to you. Community is important to you. Having that sense of community, sense of camaraderie, of like, we're all in this together. How can we work together? Yeah, to build a better future. That's a very core part of who you are. That's interesting, because I feel like I know, and I I know we're not going to make this whole episode about me, but I feel like there's a sense of also, I have a lot of selfishness. And I focus like when I focus on my goals or my thing, like, I am a very, you know, I will have a community, but there is that also sense of taking care of myself first. I don't know if that shows up anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is, like we said, the Aries, you have an Aries moon and your Mercury 
in Aries. And Mercury is how we think, how we communicate, how we speak. And the moon is, yeah, our emotional self, how we protect ourselves. So in Aries, Aries is the most selfish sign of the zodiac. Aries is very much about getting my needs met and I have to be the best. And how do I, you know, feed what I need to do? Got it. No, interesting. Nope, nope. Yeah, everything. I mean, nail on the head with every, everything, <laughs> everything you've mentioned. And I know I wanted to talk to you about since the episode will be airing in August is Lion's Portal will be just around the corner after the podcast episode airs. So I wanted to ask you about I know I've learned a little bit about Lion's Portal. It's a day of manifestation. But can you share with us what how why it's so significant? Yeah, sure. So the Lion's Portal, actually, it starts opening July 28th, and it lasts through August 12th. Those are the dates for this year, for 2023. But yes, on August 8th, right, which is 8-8, that is the day that that energy is meant to be the strongest, the most powerful, like when you really want to set your intentions or your manifestations, your goals, to do it on that day. And while for one thing, this is called the lion's gate because it is in Leo season, right? Leo is the lion and the lion is so confident, right? And isn't afraid to go after what it wants. So during lion's gate, yes, we have the sun, right? Which is home in Leo. The sun rules the sign of Leo. So the sun is the strongest this time of year. And what it's doing is it's lining up with the, uh, not the planet, I was going to call it a planet, but the star, Sirius. They are aligning in the sign of Leo. And that happens every year, yes, around August 8th. And Sirius is the brightest star in the sky. Not the brightest planet, that's Venus. She's the brightest planet, but the brightest star is Sirius. So we are going all the way back, right, to ancient Egypt, the Egyptians were really, you know, the first people that started tracking the stars and creating astrology and all of this and noticing the power of the energy around this time of year when the sun and Sirius would align. That energy was very palpable. And they really saw it as the start of the new year. That was kind of their New Year celebration was during this Lionsgate portal um, time. And obviously, we can also talk about the significance of the number eight, why it's eight, eight, right? The eighth month, the eighth day. And that is because the number eight is the number of abundance. It is a very positive number. It also, you know, if we flip it, you know, on its on its side, it makes the infinity the same symbol as the infinity sign, which is very powerful. And it's, yeah, it's also represents the number eight is the merging of the material world and the spirit world. So that's why it is believed to be such a powerful day because it's eight, eight, and we're really tapping in to the power of that number, the power of abundance and really being able to, yes, to manifest. Every year we have a lion's portal then, always around that time. Does it differ for different signs, different years of when the portal will be more 
open or more connected to a certain sign? Or is it kind of an equal, everybody has the same opportunity to like harness that power? Yeah, I mean, I would say, obviously, you know, if you are a Leo, if you're someone who has, you know, a lot of Leo in your chart, or a lot of even other fire signs, if you have Aries or Sagittarius, then you can kind of tap into that energy a little bit more strongly. But all of us, I mean, we all have, you know, even for you, you don't have any planets in the sign of Leo, but Leo rules your fourth house. So that is where every year that alignment is happening in your fourth house. And fourth house is about home, family, emotional safety, even literally like real estate, you know, buying a home, selling a home. So for you, like if you're like, wow, I really want to own a house or I want to own a second house or I want to own a rental property, like using the lion's portal is a really like positive thing for you to do to like call in that specific thing because that's where it's happening in your chart. But we all have Leo in our chart, even if we don't have planets there. We can all see, oh, okay, what house is that in for me? What house is that about? How can I personally tap into this? for what, you know, what it can naturally do for me based on when I was Hmm. born. Very interesting. And can you take natal charts and compare them with couples to see if they're compatible? Yes. So that's part of um, what I do on my podcast that I co-host with another astrologer. It's a sign, the art of alignment. And that is where, you know, for us as a podcast, we thought it would be fun to, you know, look at famous couples, right? To look at historical couples, current celebrities. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. That We're comparing the natal charts together to seeing, okay, why does this relationship work? And we always see it. Like the couples that are really strong, we always see, oh yeah, these planets, yes, they have this in common and these planets are working well together. And then the couples that like, oops, they got divorced, we can see that as well. Like, oh yeah, that must have been tough trying to figure that out. But yeah, you know, you can do it with romantic, you know, partnerships, but you can also compare like relatives. You can do, you know, your parents, you can do your best friend, you can do your coworkers, you know, you can do it with anything. That's right, your podcast. And I love how you do celebrity couples. And I think you also did the siblings in succession. Yes. Which I'm in the midst of watching succession right now. And so I want to get like a little, I'm in season two and I want to do at least a few more seasons before I come to that episode. So I fully get what's going on, but that's such a great concept. And to look at the famous couples as well. I mean, it must be so interesting to be able to read. It really is because like I said, like you see it right away, like, oh yeah, of course these two people are together. Like there's so much that's working for them. And I just had a quick question about the time you're born because I know like for you, I gave you, I was born around 10 a.m. When exactly, this might be like more medical, but just out of my, I'm just curious, is like when you take your first breath, because like, I mean- I think I was born like 10, 10, 10, 10, 30, maximum 10, 30. But I mean, my mom wasn't there looking at the clock, making sure she right, knew. Right. So is there some leeway on that time? So yeah, I mean, ideally, yes, you would want it at the exact second you take your first breath. That is going to be the most accurate. 
However, even, yeah, even in hospitals with nurses writing down the time, are they 100% of the time spot on? Probably not. I mean, there, it could be a five minute difference. It could be a 30 second difference. But as long as we're, you know, I mean, the closer to the exact time, obviously the better and the more accurate. And the reason why the time of birth is so important is because that tells us what the rising sign is. What is the sign on the horizon the very moment you're born? And that is going to tell us, like for you, Gemini, Gemini rising. Gemini was on the ascendant you were born. Gemini rising is very different energy than, let's say, yeah, if you go, you know, if you have Virgo rising, that's very different. So we would need your exact birth time to really know what that rising sign is, because then that sets the pattern for the whole rest of your chart. Because we know that Gemini then rules your first house. Cancer then rules your second house. Leo rules your fourth house. You actually have, you have Cancer ruling your second and your third house. And that's, that's very okay. That's normal in the astrology charts that I use, which is called Placidus. Some astrologers, you'll probably hear, you know, whole sign houses. And that's when they adjust it to make the chart evenly ruled, like, Gemini would only rule the first house. Cancer would only rule the second house. Leo would rule your third house. That's whole sign houses. But Placidus is a little different, but it is the most common. Most professional astrologers use Placidus. Then one thing also I wanted to talk to you about is I've signed up for your newsletter and I did the new moon ritual yesterday. Yes, I love that. Loved it, loved it. Had a whole little ceremony for myself. And so... I love the rituals you came up with. Like, do you come, do you get downloads for each new moon or do you have like, how do you come up with your rituals? Yeah. So, I mean, the rituals that I use, they're, they're not really anything that I'm, I'm inventing. These are rituals that have been around for, for centuries and, and it's just putting them together in a way that I think flows well, but yeah, lighting a candle. Very, very significant because that is helping us to visualize the energy of whatever event it is. If it's a new moon, if it's a full moon, if it's some kind of, you know, other planetary alignment that we want to honor, that we want to acknowledge, you know, the simple act of just lighting a candle and focusing on that flame to help us calm or ground ourselves. And yeah, and of course, working with crystals. You know, again, that's not anything that I'm making up. Working with crystals has been around forever, but it's just putting them in an order. So yeah, I like to light a candle. I like to do a visualization. I like to write, use the crystals that are supportive of whatever the moon is, whatever the energy is of what I'm trying to call in. And yeah, and meditation and journaling and right using water because for anyone or people are, might be listening like what's she talking about but so this was for the new moon in cancer and cancer is a water sign so that's why you know using a little bowl of water to then sprinkle to bless essentially use that water to bless your manifestations that you wrote down that you're focusing on 
yeah. And it's just, it's working with the elements and working with, you know, if it were the new moon in Aries, which is a fire sign, would I use water? Probably not because water, it's a fire sign. It's not a water sign. So I probably for that, you would want to light more candles and really like get that fire going. And then maybe instead of splashing water onto your manifestations, you would want to burn it, get a little bowl and light your manifestations on fire and release them into the universe that way. Oh, interesting. I didn't even think about that's why I sprinkled water on my I mean, and you may have put it in there. But I know I was like, Oh, yeah, sprinkling water. This makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's right. But it's because it's a sign of cancer. Yeah. And then I know for I saw your post too about this, the can the new moon in cancer being because it's a water sign. So Mm -hmm. Pisces, Scorpio would really affect them emotionally. And I definitely felt it yesterday. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a very strong moon. And it also had, you know, yeah, it had energy from Neptune coming in, energy from Pluto coming in, energy from Uranus coming in. So yeah, water signs yesterday were probably, yeah, definitely feeling it. (laughs) No, for sure. I definitely felt it. And we went for a walk on the beach to connect with water with my husband. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a Scorpio. So we are very, Mm -hmm. we love the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Love that water. Yes. Yes. And there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about. And I've tried to research it. And because you explain everything so simply to understand, Mercury in retrograde. Mm-hmm. Because I tell my husband, I'm like, oh my gosh, Mercury's in retrograde. And he's like, what does that mean? And I'm like Googling. I'm like, well, it means, and I can't, like, how do you, what does it mean? Yeah. So anytime the word retrograde, mm-hmm. just right on its own, is meant to mean like backward motion. It's going backward, like retracing its steps. So Mercury retrograde or any planet retrograde, we also have Venus retrograde coming up, but essentially what it means is from our viewpoint on Earth, that planet is moving backward. Now, is it really moving backwards? No, but it's like, you know, when you are in traffic and all the cars are moving and you might pass a car. So it looks like that car is behind you, but it's actually not. It's still moving forward. We're just passing it. So that's what's happening anytime a planet, when you hear, oh, this planet's retrograde, it means that it is behind us now. But anytime a planet is retrograde, symbolically, yeah, it's going backwards. It's having to redo. It's having to review. So that's why when you hear retrograde, it always means like review, redo, reassess, and also the energy of that planet. It's not moving forward, right? It's moving backward. So it's more stuck. It's like the planet isn't functioning at its best. So Mercury, the planet of communication, of it's also associated with travel. It's associated with, you know, learning. So when Mercury is retrograde, that's why we're told, uh oh, watch out for, you know, communication getting messed up because it's moving backwards. It's, it's stuck. It's not functioning at its full potential. Things are getting jumbled. And that's why we usually do have to redo things 
during a Mercury retrograde, right? Let's say, oh, you write this email, ugh, accidentally deleted it. Oh no, I have to redo this email. That's a Mercury retrograde thing. And that's why, you know, travel delays happen during Mercury retrogrades. I will tell you this last Mercury retrograde, I was traveling basically throughout the entire time it was happening. And I will never, ever, ever (laughs) do that again, because it was just one problem after another the entire time. Yeah, it was Mercury retrograde. If you can avoid travel, do. Obviously, sometimes we can't always avoid those things. But Mm -hmm. yeah. That is why it's the energy of the planet being challenged or being mm. stuck. Mm. Okay. See, thank thank God I asked you because you just that just <laughs> I get it now. I get it and I can okay, and I good. I get it and I can explain it back to my husband, which is good. I'm gonna tell him all about this yeah. because yeah, he's always like, what does it mean? But I did know about the communication, like not signing contracts during this time, things right. like that. That's a big deal. Is there another Mercury in retrograde coming up soon? Yes. So we do have another Mercury retrograde coming up. And I was I was just working on it for my my August newsletter, but it's happening towards the end of August. Yes, we're gonna have Mercury go retrograde in the sign of Virgo for about three weeks. I'm traveling in September. That's why I was wondering. But we're driving. But it doesn't matter. Does it matter what kind of transportation? Yeah, you can still have like for me, I was driving. I was driving. Back to Oregon from Los Angeles, what happened to me when I was driving home? I got pulled over for a speeding ticket. That's Mercury retrograde. Being told to slow down. You have to go slow. You have to pay extra attention. Yeah, or else, yeah, you're going to be like me and you're going to get a speeding ticket that's going to slow, that's going to stop you. That's going to put a roadblock in the way when you're trying to get somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. But I knew better. I knew better too. That was the thing. It's like I should have been paying more attention to to, to the speed (laughs) I was going because I knew it was Mercury retrograde. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, Tara, thank you so much for taking the time to come on from the Honeycomb podcast. Read my chart, explain retrograde lines portal, just everything in such a way that is so digestible. I also love your newsletter, huge fan over here, because you make everything, like I said, so just easy to understand and also not as daunting. Like when I first started getting into astrology, even looking at the natal chart, I'm like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. And within yeah. two minutes of you explaining it, I understand now like, okay, this makes sense. This is what I'm looking for. So thank you so much. You are so, so welcome. And that just, <laughs> oh, you just made my whole day because that's all I'm trying to do is to make this accessible for people and easy to understand because it is such an amazing tool. You know, mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's a tool. Is astrology going to solve your problems? Not necessarily, but it gives you a map mm-hmm. to understand why you're here and how can you better use the gifts and strengths 
that you were born mm-hmm. with. No, absolutely. And where can listeners find you if they want to have you? Because you you do chart readings, right? Yes. Yes, I do. I love doing chart readings. Uh, you can find me at anotherdaygreener.com. All of my information is there. You can sign up for the newsletter and get a free guide to my free Venus guide, which is really fun to look at. Yeah. And there are blog posts. You can find my podcast. Yeah. And book a reading. I would love to work with anyone interested. I'll provide all the links in the show notes for sure. Well, Tara, thank you again. This was this was so educational. I'm so, I have like so many more questions. We might, I might need to book a session with you and like compare my husband's uh, chart as well. Oh, yes, please. That would be so fun. I would love to do that. Oh, good. Well, Tara, thank you again. Thank you so much, Katerina. This was so great. I, I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. I would love if you left a review and rated the episode. You can click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. You can also support the podcast through the patron link in the show notes. Your support makes more of From the Honeycomb Podcast episodes possible. There's also my monthly newsletter, which you can subscribe to, that comes out once a month where I share a personal message with you, also some intellectual architecture articles, a Vastu Shastra tip of the month, and we also have a book month. So that comes out every seventh of the month. Thank you so much and see you next Friday.